Welcome to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society's 2020 Awards Show. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And our award show opening theme was created and performed by our mysterious listener, Brent, a.k.a. Vic Villare. Thank you, Brent. Today, we're looking back at the classic and not-so-classic old-time radio stories featured on the podcast in 2020. We'll tally votes from our Facebook polls, Patreon supporters, and your mysterious old hosts in order to declare a final winner and loser. At the end of the show, we will award the Porky and Mike Loving Cup, named after the anti-heroes from Quiet Please's classic The Thing on the Forbo Board, to the very best old-time radio selection of 2020. We will also reward the Singing Gorilla Medal of Dishonor, named after the ill-fated ape from the dark fantasy disaster spawn of the subhuman, to the very worst old-time radio selection of 2020. The nominees in order of appearance on the podcast are Rain on New Year's Eve from Quiet Please, The Dark Wall from Escape, The Lodger from Suspense, Devilstone from Suspense, The Cable Car Case from Candy Matson. The Case of the Flaming Skull from The Shadow. The Abominable Snowman from Escape. The Cup of Gold from Dark Fantasy. The Cave of Alibaba from Suspense. Where Do We Go From Here from Nightfall. The Shanghai Secret from Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. The Big Ruling from Dragnet. Ancient Sorceries from Escape. Short Order from Suspense. Delay in Route from Cloak and Dagger. The Wick Makers of Doom Street from The Shadow. Border Town from Escape. The Deadly Hour from the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. The Black Door from Suspense. Disappearance from Vanishing Point. The Haunted Cell from Lights Out. The Case of the Killer Cards from the New Adventures of Nero Wolf. Cat's Cradle from The Price of Fear. John St. John from Pat Novak for Hire. The Case of the Double Zero from the New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Ash Tree from Black Mass. The Temple Bells of Nibon from The Shadow. Death and the Compass from Vanishing Point. The Letter from Yesterday from Dark Fantasy. The Headless Dead, also from Dark Fantasy. Wear the Dead Man's Coat from Quiet, Please. The Dark Tower from Suspense. Diamond Dance from Suspense. Rio Bashinka from Suspense. Murder in G-flat from Suspense. The Bells from Suspense. The Hitchhiker from... Suspense. And finally, The Singleman from Lights Out. Now let's hear from one of our Patreon supporters, Evan. Regular listeners will recognize Evan from his guest appearance in episode 208 featuring the Louise Spence case from Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Hi guys, Evan here. And here's my picks for 2020. My pick for the best is the Lucille Ball-led suspense episode, Dime a Dance. I'm a huge fan of Ball, and I absolutely loved hearing her flex her dramatic chops during the Roma Wine era of suspense, which I've always felt was the program's golden age. The script is tight, the music and sound design are immaculate, and I'm a total sucker for the anachronism of a creepy scene with diegetic, old-timey, cheerful music playing. 
The trope of a killer listening to a signature song while carrying out murder is so well done and horrific here. It's rare that I stop everything I'm doing and actually sit and listen to an old radio show. But Dime a Dance was one of them. And now, for the worst. I hate dark fantasy. I've always hated dark fantasy. More than any other radio show. It's the minimalism of quiet pleas without the mindful use of space. It's the insanity of inner sanctum without any of the eventfulness. The worst sound design, the most meandering plots, the most stilted line deliveries. I didn't think I could hate dark fantasy more. And then I heard the letter from yesterday. A rousing, lengthy conversation about hydrokinetics that ends when an overbearing chauvinist invites himself over to a librarian's house to discuss hydrokinetics some more. And just when you think you can't handle any more slow transcription of dry, scientific textbook passages, Scott Bishop eases the tension with some lighthearted model building. Behold, all the drama of filing patents, blended with a mind-numbingly inane love story, culminating in a confusing anticlimax involving a lost sack of mail. Most dark fantasy episodes begin, as you guys have pointed out, with at least a promising premise. But Letter from Yesterday doesn't even have that going for it. Faded old love letters, they mean the world to me. Each night I read them over, they are my rosary. In addition to our Patreon supporters, we also collected votes from listeners via our Facebook discussion group. If you're not a member, you should be. In the best of category, listeners chose the following finalists. John St. John from Pat Novak for Hire, The Deadly Hour from CBS Radio Mystery Theater, Dime a Dance from Suspense, The Cable Car Case from Candy Matson, The Hitchhiker from Suspense, The Temple Bells of Nibon from The Shadow, Short Order from Suspense, and The Abominable Snowman from Escape. And the winner is... Will you please deposit the remaining 85 cents... Ready with Brooklyn? Go ahead, please. The Hitchhiker from Suspense. The group also voted for the worst of 2020. Finalists were Devilstone from Suspense, The Cup of Gold from Dark Fantasy, Cat's Cradle from The Price of Fear, The Headless Dead from Dark Fantasy, and The Cave of Alibaba from Suspense. And the winner is... Wait just a minute. Uh, Ah, here we are. What are you doing? Well, I'll just throw this stone to attract their attention. No, don't do that. Don't do that. You might hit the kitten. Oh, not a chance. What do you take me for? <laughs> oh, no! Oh, God, 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 man, look what you've done. Cat's Cradle from the Price of Fear. Before we get back to voting, we'd like to unveil a brand new Morals Award. The Mysterious Old Listener of the Year Award. This honor is bestowed upon a listener who has gone above and beyond the call of duty. A listener who has personified the virtues we as a society of mysterious listeners to old-time radio hold dear. And that listener is Monica, last name withheld for privacy reasons. Monica is the listener who requested Cat's Cradle from Price of Fear. An episode we found horrifying for all the wrong reasons. And as our Facebook poll indicates, we weren't the only ones. It turns out even Vincent Price fans draw the line at cat murder. 
Monica could have easily taken the response to her recommendation personally. This is the internet after all. Instead, she handled the reaction with grace and humor, two qualities we cherish on this podcast, even when we fail to model them. What's more, our discussion of Cat's Cradle led to at least two significant moments in Morals history. First, Joshua was finally forced to publicly admit how many cats he owns. And how many is that again? Six. And I don't own them. We simply share living arrangements. (laughs) We also coined a new term, get to the castle. A story gets to the castle when it sidesteps a lengthy prologue or establishing scene and proceeds directly to the main action. This term can be used in one of two ways, to complement a particular story's urgent sense of pace, or to describe Eric's pathological need for every single story to consist of nothing but wall-to-wall action. Correct. So, why don't we get to the castle right now? And crown Monica the 2020 Mysterious Old Listener of the Year. I've got an old maid sister. She's crazy over cats. She wears her hair just pasted down, for she's afraid of rats. She's got the neighbors talking, and they don't think she's right. For you can hear her calling cats at any time of night. And now let's hear from another of our Patreon supporters, Amy Pavi, mastermind behind the OTR-inspired original drama podcast, 12 Chimes It's Midnight. Hello, mysterious old radio listeners. This is Amy Pavi, a huge fan and supporter of this podcast. You might remember me from episode 109, a great episode featuring what I think is one of the weirder Dragnet episodes, The Big Confession. I adore this episode for not only the great dialogue between the perp and Joe Friday, but that it's set in my hometown of San Francisco. And of course, it was an absolute thrill to get to talk about the episode of The Morals Gang. They are some fast and confident talkers, so I was honestly surprised I could keep up. You guys are the best. And speaking of the best, I was asked to speak briefly, I'll do my best, about my picks for the best and the worst of 2020. So as you know, you'd have to be pretty bad to compete with 2020, but one episode that really stood out to me as the weakest of the lot had to be The Cup of Gold, written by Scott Bishop for Dark Fantasy. I love the bizarre, but this one just went off the rails with a morass of too many ideas, a convoluted plot, poor character motivation. It just was off-putting. You know, memory loss, mysterious gunshots, a revenge game of golf, incense that transports you millions of miles to a distant planet. Wait, this is actually sounding pretty good. But that's what we thought about 2020 in the first few months too, right? But as always, even a bad story is a fun podcast listen particularly with the commentary. So check out episode 171, Cup of Gold. Now, on a more positive note, my vote for the best episode was, surprise, surprise, The Hitchhiker, episode 200. I really love this episode written by Lucille Fletcher for Suspense. It's absolutely everything you'd want in an old radio show. Solid storytelling, acting, fully directing. The Hitchhiker is a story that really sticks with you. And check out another of Lucille's scripts in The Morals episode 139, The Fugue in C Minor. 
Uh, I also really loved the crazy stories of episode 176, Ancient Sorceries, 189, Ash Tree, and 194, Wear the Dead Man's Coat. They're all super memorable, and I highly recommend checking those out. And finally, a big thank you to the Morals team, Eric, Tim, and Joshua, for creating and cranking out so many episodes of my favorite podcast. Although, hang on, one complaint. I would like to come to the defense of one of my all-time favorite episodes that received an ungracious knock, not once, but twice in 2020. Yes, I'm speaking of episode 38, The Spawn of the Subhuman. In this one, Scott Bishop's story for Dark Fantasy does it right. Well, at least for me. It's super fun, super bizarre story combining all my favorite elements, weird, goofy, and creepy. Despite that, though, love the morals and looking forward to many more episodes to come. Thank you, guys. Monkey business, monkey business, now I see it all. When she rolled her eyes, it was no surprise how she could tantalize. Monkey business, monkey business, nothing else to do. Just sit and parley-hoo like monkeys in the zoo. This baby sure did know her stuff. I said, I'm through. You made too rough. There's nothing to this monkey business down in Tennessee. And now we'd like to take a short break from collecting votes to share a previously unreleased outtake from a recording session we did way back in 2019. We call it Guacamole of Doom. guys since this has been our behind the scenes episode we haven't really discussed an episode of old time radio but i feel like we still need to end with some form of judgment mm-hmm. on something yeah. whether something stands the test of time so yeah. i step back into our mysterious old kitchen and <laughs> do i we have a mysterious old kitchen <laughs> we do now <laughs> and um i uh, dusted off a treasury of great recipes Vincent Price's cookbook with his wife, Mary, from 1965, and I made Vincent Price's guacamole for okay. us. Wait, there's so much information here. Well, I think I'm, it's pretty straightforward. No, but I it is Vincent overwhelming. Vincent Price's guacamole. <laughs> First of all, he has a cookbook with his... He was a he big... was married. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Let me. He was a big cook, a big foodie. And you made Vincent Price's recipe before coming in here. Mm-hmm. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody makes me feel worse about what I've accomplished in a day than you. Than Vincent Price's guacamole. <laughs> you haven't tried it yet. Books, how many books did you read today? <laughs> how many? What else have you done today? Have you ever made guacamole? It takes like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it made at my table. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I would like you guys to hear what Vincent Price wrote about this recipe in his book. Because okay. It's, it's Will you read it like good. Vincent Price? Uh, I wish I could. I don't know how to do a Vincent Price. Do you? Impersonation. No. Me neither. It all becomes. Peter Lorre. Yeah. <laughs> I can read it as Peter Lorre, but I, I won't. Um, Elaborate canapes have been the ruination of more dinner parties than bad cooks in the kitchen ever have. Testify! <laughs> <laughs> 
We're against pre-stuffing our guests and prefer to serve cocktails with a simple dip in crackers that are crisp, but without too strong a taste of their own. English biscuits or plain matzos are perfect. A strongly flavored guacamole, which we learned about in Mexico, goes well with our philosophy, our crackers, and above all, with our Mexican den, where we gather for a pre-dinner drink. It's a Mexican <laughs> den. He just called his guests our crackers. <laughs> Wait, what's I knew a, you guys would appreciate what's that. What's a Mexican den? Put on your sombrero and... <laughs> Have a seat. It's like a man cave with a pinata. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know I what? That's a per- actually, yeah. that's a great idea. <laughs> he suggested that you serve it in a Mexican bowl. I had no idea what a Mexican bowl was exactly. Your hands. So I used <laughs> glass Tupperware. So I, I apologize. And I got some matzo. So. Okay. <laughs> so All we're going to is... have to try this. I will warn you. I'm not going to tell you what's in it. But one of the oh, reasons I chose no. one of the reasons I chose the guacamole is because it has an ingredient that I wouldn't associate with guacamole, and I'll also warn you that it's not vegan. <laughs> so this is walleye. <laughs> walleye guacamole. So we'll get some nice foley of breaking up the, the bread here. Oh, good the job. Crackers, there you go. It's also fingers being broken. Yeah, this is, yeah. Willis Cooper uses. <laughs> Thanks. All here, right. This is me eating matzah alone. So there's something you should know. Mm-hmm. I don't really eat guacamole. I don't know if this is good or bad guacamole. You've never had guacamole? No, not really. What's wrong with you? Do you like guacamole? I've never really been drawn to it. (laughs) (laughs) Is it your lack of Mexican den? (laughs) I think so. Do you like Mexican food? Yes, I love Mexican food. Well, then, do you like avocados? I like Taco John's. I don't really eat avocados. It's probably okay. Well, this is made mostly of avocados. (laughs) Mostly. That's the green. You might want to. Have less if you've never had. <laughs> Is it like Bring that bowl over like two thirds rum? What? <laughs> yeah, slow down there. All right, Tim's eating. Here oh. we go, Vincent. That's guacamole. Kinda. You can taste the secret ingredient. Is it bacon? It's mayonnaise. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> it is. Oh. Yeah, that's why I said kinda. Sorry. Please do not judge guacamole off of this, Tim. I will take you for really good guacamole. That's mayonnaise. And Worcestershire sauce. Oh, no. <laughs> those, wow. are, those are the two standout ingredients. I mean, I do love mayonnaise, and I do love Worcestershire no, sauce. No. So do I. What, I. what I feel so bad about is Tim is never going to try guacamole again <laughs> after this. I'm having more, though. Um, it grows on you in a There's weird no way. flavor to that. Yeah, I guess I always assumed there was something kind of spicy about it. There, there is. This <laughs> could be. You're not eating guacamole. <laughs> Did a I mean, Minnesotan he is. He's make continuing this? to eat it. If you don't know Minnesotans, if you're outside the state where we live, there's a propensity in this state for bland food and mayonnaise uh, and everything. Well, this matzo really kicks up the flavor a lot. <laughs> no, because he did not want anything to interfere with this flavor bomb that is mayonnaise guacamole. Do you want to read the ingredients? Yeah, well, it's two avocados, um, mm-hmm. a little bit of lemon juice, finely chopped onions. I got a little um, lazy and did not chop them very fine, I will admit. I was like, well, That's good. That this gives- is BS. It has mayonnaise. I'm not going to work that hard. <laughs> A small green chili. I chose a poblano, a coriander, a half Weird. clove of garlic, three tablespoons mayonnaise. I'll admit, I cut that back, gentlemen, just a little. It uh, really is too much now. A chopped tomato, a Worcestershire sauce, and, and a dash of cayenne. 
So I don't think this stands the test of no, time. No, not Classic. at all. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Best guacamole you've ever Dude, had. Like, yes, another vehicle for mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> Tim is a vehicle for mayonnaise. Yes, yes. <laughs> Tim, will you please let me uh, take you out for really good guac? Wow, I don't know if Vincent Price would invite us back to his party. If... Good. <laughs> this is old fat Vincent Price. <laughs> I don't know if there was such a thing. All right, I, I vote can... not the test of time. I think it's of historic interest, a little bit of novelty. <laughs> I, I agree. It is I'll definitely of historical that. interest. <laughs> yeah. A very limited historical interest. Surprised there's no jello in it. Wait a second. <laughs> Green jello guacamole. That's Boris Karloff's recipe. <laughs> They're on their way to Mexico. Just see those Yankee fighters, so excited. Get ready to go. They're on their way to win the day. Before we reveal our own votes for best and worst, Let's hear from one more Patreon supporter, Christian. Christian is one of our longtime listeners who, in episode 207, introduced us to Gunsmoke. Take it away, Christian. It's in. He made it. The ball's in for a win for Jan Mason, and the crowd goes wild. It's a new champion. What a thrilling conclusion to the 38th annual Gorilla Di Canto Golf Tournament. I'm Christian Newhouse, and while we wait for Lee Sanders to get some words from the new champion, I'd like to thank the sponsor for today's event, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. I'm a fan and supporter of the Morals myself, and in fact had the honor of joining them on episode number 207. Once again, Jan Mason is the new champion, and if I had to pick a champion of the 2020 Morals season, I would pick the Hitchhiker episode of Suspense a virtuosic script by Lucille Fletcher, an excellent performance from Orson Welles, and a conclusion with one of the most evocative prose images of the golden age of radio. Truly, an all-star production. Well, I think it's time now to switch back over to Lee Sanders. Lee, what's happening over there? The referee is about to make the presentation. No, no, something's wrong. The referee turns to his fellow judges. They're talking excitedly. All right, bit of a delay en route, it would seem. Please be patient, folks. You know... Seeing Truman Davis fail to reclaim his championship reminds me of the final episode of Suspense, Devilstone. I'm reluctant to say that suspense is the worst of anything, but to adapt the phrase from mysterious host Joshua on a different episode, Devilstone shot for little and achieved less. Bested by competitors decades older, like Truman Davis today, a former champion fallen low. Well, I think we're ready to hear from Lee Sanders now. Lee, go ahead. Someone shot the new champion. He's holding his left side. He's dangling. He's grabbed the gold cup. Oh, my. Well, while we wait for that situation to get sorted out, let's just skip ahead to the next program on today's schedule, The Price of Fear, with an episode called Cat's Cradle. Thank you for listening. The cat. Look out for the cat. Well, let's start with our votes for the worst of, and let's throw it to Tim first. Tim, what was the worst in your estimation in 2020? Uh, there was a lot of dark fantasy to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> but I, to my own taste, even when dark fantasy is a total train wreck, it is a fascinating train wreck to me. So it, 
none of the dark fantasy is even close for me. Um, which is not to say they're good, just to say they're fascinating. And then the other contender seems to be uh, Cat's Cradle. Again, the bad part is really bad, um, but there's some good parts in there too. But unquestionably for me, the the worst of the year was Devilstone uh, from Suspense. That was heartbreaking. It was both not good by itself and in context, tough. So that was... That was a tough one to relive, thinking about it again, looking back. Oh, <laughs> Devilstone. Hard times. I'll go next on the worst of for me, and we could probably just play back exactly what Tim said, almost. There's a lot of dark fantasy to choose from, and man, I don't think anybody hates dark fantasy more than I do. That cup of gold was just terrible. Cat's Cradle, yeah, but I'm going to tell you right now, that's not in my worst of category. I get that there was cat murder and it wasn't great to listen to, but there's a bigger picture at stake, like top to bottom. What was the worst thing that we listened to for me personally? The worst thing that I listened to last year for me personally was the ash tree. But then I realized this isn't about me. This is about what's the worst in giant context, not the worst for me. Just what's the worst one we did? Because I know for a fact that the ash tree is beloved, especially by my co-hosts who like it a lot. So I can't throw it there just because I was like <laughs> asleep for most of it. And I'll be honest, I never finished listening to it. But <laughs> <laughs> but we have you on recording confessing to that. <laughs> but then it gets down to, okay, is it cup of gold? But that devil stone is really terrible. In addition, The Lodger, the first suspense ever, is really terrible. It makes me crazy uh, how bad it is. And so when you look at it from top to bottom, left to right, I'm going to have to agree with Tim on Devilstone just because it's the fall of suspense. And that's what makes it even more heartbreaking. And from anybody's perspective, not very well done. So my vote goes to Devilstone. Yeah, I am in the same general camp with you guys, but I find dark fantasy highly entertaining, like Tim. Um, <laughs> often not right. for the reason Scott Bishop intended it to be entertaining, but <laughs> Cup of Gold is gold in my book. Uh, that is one of the most entertaining pieces of radio drivel I have heard in a long time. So, no, that's not coming close to worst of. That still has entertainment value. Uh, and Cat's Cradle is purely a negative emotional response. There are right. quite a number of strong parts to that story. Um, and it has Vincent Price in it. Come on. So I would not put that anywhere near the worst of. Uh, I probably had the strongest negative reaction to it. But again, as Eric was saying, that was a really personal or emotional response. Uh, so that's not on my list at all. So really, it does come down to, for me, uh, The Lodger from Suspense and Devilstone. I mean, The Lodger really is annoying to me because it's just the laziest thing I've ever seen. I love an <laughs> I love an ambiguous ending but just not having one. In order to experience a state of suspense there has to be catharsis. 
Suspense without catharsis is just generalized anxiety. <laughs> that would be a terrible name for a radio show. <laughs> so it just, it literally fails to live up to its name by not having an ending when the show is called Suspense. So, uh, but it still has lively performances. It still has an energetic audience. It, it still has pieces of the show I recognize as Suspense. So I have to give it to Devilstone, which is the old-time radio equivalent of a chicken still running around after its head's been cut off. It is just (laughs) a depressing, depressing thing to listen to. So it's unanimous. Devilstone. And now, let's hear everybody's vote from your mysterious old hosts on the best of 2020. And we start with Joshua. Okay, I'm going to apologize in advance. I had a crazy difficult time choosing the best of 2020. And I'm going to take you through my arduous process. So for me, looking over the list, first of all, I was struck by how many great radio shows that we listened to in 2020. Dime a Dance from Suspense, already mentioned by Evan, Where the Dead Man's Coat from Quiet Please, Border Town from Escape, Disappearance from Vanishing Point. I could go on and on. There are a lot of great episodes of dramatic radio, but After minutes of deliberation, (laughs) I narrowed my best of the best list down to four candidates. And for me, it's The Hitchhiker from Suspense, The Dark Wall from Escape, The Deadly Hour from CBS Radio Mystery Theater, and Death in the Compass from Vanishing Point. So that was the easy part for me. Once I narrowed it down, I found it, and I still kind of find it nearly impossible to choose between these four. If I could split my vote four ways, I would, but that's a dirty cheat. So in order to pick a winner, I started to break down what I liked about each of the productions and then went down this rabbit hole because I realized that I was having such a hard time choosing one because they have so many similarities, which fascinated me. For example, all four productions focus as much on the interiority of the narrator as they do on the external events he describes. And those narrators are all four unreliable in a very similar way because they lack some area of self-knowledge critical to unlocking the story. The narrator in The Hitchhiker doesn't know he's dead. In The Dark Wall, he doesn't know he has another personality. In The Deadly Hour, he doesn't know he's disassociating. In Death in the Compass, he doesn't know he's an incompetent detective solving a mystery of his own making. Three of the four have ambiguous endings that require the listener to puzzle out the meaning. Three of the four of them are also written by women, which is unlikely when you just randomly grab three episodes of old-time radio. Uh, You're lucky to have one female writer in there, but we have Lucille Fletcher, Kathleen Height, and Elspeth Eric all as writers. So clearly, when it comes to old-time radio, I have a type. (laughs) (laughs) So that was just more an insight about me and didn't help me in any way pick a winner, but it did help me realize that I was judging these mostly based on the scripts because I'm ultimately a story guy. That's what grabs me. But I think when we're saying best of, we need to think of the entire production. So I set the scripts aside and evaluated these four productions based on performance, sound effects, musical score, and just overall production values. And so in that way, I was able to, it was painful, jettison the deadly hour because despite, I think, a really strong performance by Norman Rose, 
the production values just don't compare to the others, particularly the sound effects. I think you guys will remember the really terrible horse hoofs. <laughs> it sounded like yes. a camel with <laughs> yes. six legs. Yes, uh, yes. So next, I had to admit the performances in Death and the Compass are not really a match for The Hitchhiker and The Dark Wall, even though I admit this isn't a completely fair comparison because I think Death and the Compass is taking an intentionally stylized approach to the performances. It's apples and oranges, but I had to find some way to whittle down this list. And so that <laughs> leaves, for me, The Dark Wall and The Hitchhiker. Obviously, The Hitchhiker is the one to beat here, but I do think The Dark Wall was criminally undervalued by our voters. Uh, it has all the thematic and psychological depth of the other productions, but pulls off that added trick that I think Eric appreciated of packaging its ideas in the form of a very conventional escape style story, giving a listener yep. the best of both worlds, a straightforward but satisfying thriller, but also if you should choose to unpack it all, is a far more complex exploration of Lots of big ideas. Identity, responsibility. It also subverts many of the sexist and xenophobic tropes that sometimes fuel stories of this era. So finally, I thought about The Hitchhiker. And The Hitchhiker is a much simpler affair. It's elegant. There's a minimalism to the production that I think really emphasizes the loneliness and the desperation of Ronald, the protagonist. And I love how Lucille Fletcher takes that creeping dread Jamesian ghost story and injects this very 20th century existential angst into it all. It has as much depth as the dark wall, but it's gentler and more confidently paced, making it all the more disorienting when that final twist comes. And it's arguably Lucille Fletcher's best script. It has Bernard Herrmann doing the score and Orson Welles at the height of his power. So I guess... The point of this rambling is to simply illustrate that, like Ronald, I had to take a long, introspective journey to discover the truth <laughs> I secretly knew all along. I'm dead. No. <laughs> My vote is for the hitchhiker. I will go next, and I cannot relate to you any more than that rant. I so understand everything you said in that. Let's start with, what a list from 2020. Uh, I will add to yours uh, the cable car chase from Candy Matson, the abominable snowman from mm -hmm. Escape, the big ruling from Dragnet, the shadows that we did, including the Temple Bells of Nibon, which is a classic shadow, and also Diamond Dance, which was also mentioned, which is amazing, and Ryoboshinska, which I really enjoyed for really terrible reasons i don't it was so but it was a terrifying story i also said well i'm done that took 10 seconds we all know who the winner is and then i stopped and i thought about it just like you did and everything that you said i was going through and like why this why not that why this dark wall is certainly way up there uh it's it's all of those things you said but when it comes down to it if we were to throw out The Hitchhiker, I would really, really have to lean toward Diamond Dance as the best. And that would be a close race and had take some discussion. But unlike you, it wasn't a long journey for me. It was relatively short. And I went, no, this is like a 40-year-old man in a 7-year-old karate class. Um, <laughs> this is super... 
super easy. It's not in the same league with these. The Hitchhiker is elegant, as you elegantly stated, Joshua. It is simple. It's to the point. It's got the twist. And it is Lucille Fletcher's greatest accomplishment, I, I believe. And it's just a fantastically well-done story, well-acted, well-produced, well-directed, and a great score. There's no way. So I just like to throw that out there that, yeah, Hitchhiker, that's my winner. But Diamond Dance would have been my winner had you not put this unfair show (laughs) in with the rest of these. Well, now that my vote clearly can have no impact on the final result, (laughs) I similarly started out thinking of this like, so this decision is, do I vote for Hitchhiker or do I just actively not vote for it for some reason? <laughs> <laughs> because I will indulge my little personal, some of my favorites, Cave of Alibaba, even though it wound up on some, some worst of lists. Like that, for me, just personally, I loved it to bits. I so much enjoyed that. I will recognize it, not necessarily great, but I enjoyed it. As was said before, Death and the Compass, personally loved it and do think it was a really, really well done episode. My Dark Horse one that I, I saw it on Facebook, but I haven't heard anybody else mention it. I could easily vote for this one for best of was Border Town from Escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if there was no Hitchhiker, it would be so easy for me to, to pick as my, my winner would be, also not mentioned, Dark Tower from Suspense. Really enjoyed that one. Guys, we have a really great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good job making all those episodes, guys. <laughs> Your work with Orson Welles was fantastic. Um, but yes, it's, it is exactly everything you said. I have to work so hard to not give it to Hitchhiker that I can't do it. It's Hitchhiker. Well, guys, we're going to tally the votes here. It's going to take me a while to figure out the winner. the best old time radio show featured on morals in 2020 is hello 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 no not just now sorry go to california no not today the other way going to new york sorry the hitchhiker and your mysterious old hosts put it over the worst of 2020 was Devilstone from Suspense. This portion of Suspense is brought to you by the makers of Parliament Cigarettes. Listen, more and more people are smoking to this tune every day. Parliament gives you extra Parliament. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for listening last year. Thank you for listening this year. Thank you in advance for listening next year. But let's talk about next week. We have a new episode for you. It is a listener request. The Thing in the Window from Suspense. Until then... Uh, Since this award show was a good five months late, we'd like to make it up to you with this collection of outtakes and bloopers culled from the first half of 2021. Enjoy. By the early 1940s, Powell felt typecast and feared he was rapidly aging out of his squeaky clean Boy Scout image. He auditioned for the part of Walter Neff in Billy Wilder's adaptation of James M. Cain's Double Double Indemnity. Double Indemnity. 
He auditioned for the part of Walter Neff in Billy Wilder's adaptation of James M. Cain's Double Indemnity. <laughs> I'm never going to say that. James, James M. Cain Double Indemnity. That's what's throwing me off is the James M. Cain. It becomes... Who wrote this? Untenable. <laughs> I usually give this crap to Tim. If it's a tongue, <laughs> if it's a tongue twister. James M. Cain Double Indemnity. Double Indemnity. Oh, I'm, I can do it this time. He auditioned for the part of Walter Neff in Billy. <laughs> now I can't get Billy. <laughs> he auditioned for the part of Walter Neff in Billy Wilder's adaptation of James M. Cain's Double Indemnity, but lost out to another good guy actor hungry to play against type, Fred McMurray. Powell's big break came in 1944 when he landed the lead in Edward. <laughs> Why did I give myself all these names? Thanks so much, guys. This is like really, really fun to be on the other side of the mic with you guys. Awesome. Well, we just got started. All right. So, um... <laughs> all right. That brings up whistling. I brought it up so many times. God, I hate whistling. It makes me crazy. <laughs> Is that Dick Powell whistling? I always wondered that. According to my research, yes. Those are Dick Powell's lips. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my improv group. <laughs> Dick Powell's lips. <laughs> and there's always somebody in every store I go into, some guy who decided that what everybody would like to hear in this store is me whistling. And I'm going to walk around and whistle. It makes me nuts. Are, are you maybe in an episode of The Whistler? Because I don't think I've ever uh, been out in public and heard anyone whistle. All the Is time. someone following you around just, whistling, Eric? It just happened <laughs> yesterday. It was at some store, and the guy walks in. He's just whistling full volume some song, like walking around with a mask on. <laughs> so you know me. I don't like conflict. But it's everything I can do to just walk around and go, why? Why are you doing that? What <laughs> Eric's so Minnesotan passive aggressive. He was probably like, hey, great whistling, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, inside, he was like, I hate you so much. All right, I gave him 20 bucks and thanked him. You're lucky that, you know, you're alive during this era, because it does seem like whistling was far more of a thing. <laughs> like, the, half the Bing Crosby songs recorded have whistling in them. Yeah. I don't mind them in music. I'm just reminded of when people are just walking around in public whistling, how much, how crazy it makes me. Yeah. Like professional whistlers, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. But these are amateurs. Trained, microphone-ready whistlers. <laughs> if I had paid 10 bucks to get in that store to hear whistling, <laughs> then it's a deal. And when Sergeant Otis uh, wants to talk to him and he says, I'll be damned if I'm going to teach him how. Just Right. He's just a dick, but... <laughs> Both a private one as well as... <laughs> and his namesake, yeah. I enjoy when a... Forgive me, you're going to have to edit. Um... Oh, I thought you were going to tell us something gross you enjoyed and we had to edit it out. <laughs> and then you brought up something else and I forgot what it was. Well, we'll have to edit that out. <laughs> what did you say? What was the last thing you said? I have no idea. What Hall of Fantasy? That was um, good Hall of Fantasy. We'll just pick. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just pick up from here. I can edit it. Don't worry. <laughs> I had another thought that you brought up. I can't remember it. 
I almost cracked up when I realized W-E-N-R is... Is Wiener. Wiener? Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Wiener. That was Battle of the Magicians from Lights Out here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. Who are you, Tim? I don't know. I also love that you grab dibs on writing Saladini, the great. I'm so mad. I. (laughs) That is such a great storyline. The magician of Saladini solving crimes. I want to do this. I have a confession. Uh, Calling dibs on a podcast is not legally binding. (laughs) Oh. Next is uh, the Cheesecake Murder Case from the series Philo Vance. Until then. Until they just occupy yourself with whatever it is you want to do <laughs> until the, uh, the next episode gets put out. I have dibs on Zombie Pilot, just so you know. <laughs> Look out left window. You see, you see Great Salt Lake. Mm, bad. Mm, Salt Lake bad. Does anyone currently on board have a brain? Please bring a brain to the cockpit. If there is doctor on plane, please come to cabin so I can eat your brain. Yeah. Okay. That's 20, 30 episodes of Bits, <laughs> Zombie Pilot. It's endless. <laughs> Phil Vance was adapted. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's Philo Vance. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn it. I thought it was going to be like his nephew or something. <laughs> Next, we will be returning to suspense for an episode called Wet Saturday. Until then. You make that up. <laughs> Better than Damp Wednesday. <laughs> That's a Ron Jeremy movie. Yeah. <laughs> Moist Thursday was his best. It's actually really nice to see you guys, because otherwise, I, I mean, this is the longest I've gone without seeing Tim in years. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize he's like my emotional comfort animal. I could take him <laughs> on a plane with me or <laughs> grocery shopping, and it'd be okay. <laughs> Uh, Tim, I can wear a little vest. <laughs> yeah. Tim, yeah. you guys Don't gotta try him. that. Don't pet him; he's working. <laughs> you gotta try that sometime. Put a vest on him and a leash, and just walk around with them. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's, some people pay good money for that to put on a vest and a leash or around them. Someone put a leash on me. And... <laughs> it's a high tier Patreon reward. <laughs> really. <laughs> Just so you guys know, I was gone for about two minutes. I had to re-sign in, so I don't know what Tim just said. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to... Here, here we go. Wow, that's a really good point, Tim. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I also want to throw out a dark horse for the uh, episode from Cloak and Dagger, Delay and Route. That was very enjoyable. Uh, I mean, it's no big town, but it is fantastic. Oh, I have also started collecting, finally, because we've talked about it for a long time, um, outtakes. 
I have a bunch of them, too, that I saved for a while. That would be great. It's from the first season. Oh, that would be cool to release the, the early uncut. Yeah. Their voices are still cracking. <laughs> Welcome to the mysterious old radio listening society. Mom, I'm recording! <laughs> Don't come in here! <laughs> uh, all right, here we go. Okay.